Hello and welcome to Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Wyma. Today I have a very special guest. It's Eric Windmill. He is the author of Flutter in Action. And uh, yeah, we've had a very special... So because of... Uh, we actually worked with Manning to get him on here and present his... Uh, you know, talk about the book that he wrote a while back. Uh, we actually have a couple copies to give away. And uh, yeah, we'll be getting in touch with you guys how to do that. But uh, in the meantime, uh, yeah, let's get started. Let's get started with the interview. So, Eric, uh, how are you today? I'm very well. Thank you for asking. How are you? Uh, it's too hot over here in Hong Kong. It must be like 90 degrees, or sorry, 90, uh, uh, 90% humidity with uh, about 90 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. It's crazy out here. That is rough. But, uh, yeah, that's, well, that's, that's why you only see me from the top half off, you know, bottom <laughs> is uh, more casual. Yeah. But, uh yeah, why don't we just go ahead and get started? Like, what what actually drove you to write a book? Because that's a huge endeavor, right? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, so, the, I, I actually the the website Flutter by Example that I also wrote or like own, I guess, um, came first actually um, because I like to write. Uh, you know, even at my current job, I. Often I'm the volunteer to write documentation because I, I don't mind doing it. It's I enjoy it. Um, so I never really planned on writing a book. It never even crossed my mind that that was possible. Uh, I was just going to do it all digitally, which is. Um, but Manning actually reached out to me uh, after finding Flutter by example. I guess I mean I don't know exactly how they found me, but I have to imagine that's the only real way. And. Um, Luckily for me, that was in the very early days of Flutter. I think it was still an alpha, so there wasn't really anyone else to reach out to. I was the default option, I guess. Um, so yeah, I guess it was serendipitous. They're, they're more to uh, thank for it than I am. That's a good question. So so what actually got you started into Flutter? Because you said you're, you're there in alpha. Was that pre-1.0, I guess? Uh, yes, it was... A, over a year before 1.0 easily maybe um but uh again it was just right place at the right time i got a job hired as a web developer um where they were using dart in-house for their web uh they were like just like dart with web components or whatever um i can't remember what that old library was called that doesn't exist anymore but it was basically anyways their web's web uh apps were in dart and so then when flutter came around they were already aware of it and it was they just thought it was a very small startup so they just thought it would be advantageous to rewrite the mobile apps in flutter also so that they could use like share a lot of that code um that was a lot of that functionality was already in dart and i just got hired as web developer and then Pretty much as soon as I started was right when they started rewriting the app in Flutter. So um, that just became what I did with most of my time. I had, uh, if I'm being honest, never even heard of Dart when I, until I started interviewing for that job. Um, so right place at the right time, honestly. I mean, they were very early adopters, like so early that it's a very small startup, but Google was still working directly with um, my boss to like, you know, get feedback and everything like that on Flutter. So he, he's really the person that, I don't know, was made, made a wise choice early on. So how was your feeling with Flutter back then, right? Because that must be really rough. 
Yeah. I mean, I will say to their credit, it worked pretty well um, that early. Uh, I will say, um, obviously, there was no web, no desktop, anything. It was just iOS and Android. But, um, you know, a lot of the biggest challenges for me were more in going from JavaScript to Dart than they were, you know, there weren't so many bugs. There's more of those lacking features. Like one thing I remember being a huge challenge was there was no maps. There was like no uh, official Google like plugin for maps. And so we struggled a lot because we needed that in our app with how to make that work. But there's more missing features. Everything, there weren't many bugs that were like showstoppers. I can't think of any like absolute showstopper bugs. Which is, I don't know, pretty cool for them. Honestly, they did well from the start. Was it actually still called Flutter at the time, or were you a little bit after? Because I think before it was called Hummingbird or something, right? Yeah, some. Yeah, I think it was called Hummingbird. But yeah, but by the time I joined, it was already called Flutter. Yeah. Okay, so you started using it. You had a pretty good time, I suppose. Um, was there anything that was kind of a little bit rough that you really didn't enjoy? Or was it all pretty smooth for what was there? Um. Well. Uh, it was overall smooth. Like it didn't take me long to, it didn't take me more than a few months to be like, Oh yes, this is the way this is awesome. I love this. But, um, it was more the challenges again, coming from like JavaScript to flutter. Um, you know, JavaScript is a very strange language in many ways. So, um, going to Dart, which is strongly typed and truly object-oriented. And um, these, these are things that I haven't, I didn't have a ton of experience with. I, I mainly was f- like front-end web developer. Um, but um, Flutter, you know, mentally is very similar to like React and other front-end, uh, I don't know, styles of programming. So um, that was pretty smooth, I think. And also... I mean, there was more to like than there was to um, be annoyed at. Uh, I would say there. I personally struggled with things like writing plugins because I had no native. I had never done a single thing with mobile apps in my life, so like native code and stuff that was harder to wrap my head around. But um, I mean, it worked pretty well. I was very happy to not have to use CSS and HTML anymore. Like it was all just built right in. Um, yeah, I, I think from a mental model standpoint, like Flutter nails it. That's the best thing about it. It's really easy to wrap your head around how to use it pretty quickly. Yeah, that was really nice when I started working with Flutter. Like I didn't even learn much about Dart. I just dove right in and just kind of figured out most of what's going on. But yeah, once you learn Dart, then you can do a lot more things. But what you can yeah. do without learning Dart is pretty amazing, I think. Yeah. And knowing JavaScript, then like you can really get pretty far. Yeah, you're halfway th- more than halfway there already if you know JavaScript even kind of well. Definitely. But like you know, um, what what I was mentioning to you before we even started this recording was like, what I like most about your book is <clears throat> how in depth you go about uh, i mean you don't go super in depth but you go pretty far compared to other resources i've looked at when you talk about like how rendering works within flutter and like after reading that introduction i thought that was 
so insightful and makes a lot more sense because Dart is a pretty, pretty, pretty quick language. And then, like, I always wonder, like, wait, if you're calling this function 60 times a second, like, that sounds really expensive, but what's actually underneath the hood is quite interesting. Do you mind, like, talk more about that? Because not many people actually talk about that. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll preface this by saying I haven't used Flutter for work in over a year, so uh, forgive me if I am not, if I botch anything. But so the the way that Flutter works under the hood, which is really interesting, I guess, is that um, well, there's molt, there's like I guess three different tree structures, uh, each you know working together. So the only thing that we as developers really care about is the widget tree. I mean. If you can get it. it. You might have to like work with elements, but I have used Flutter. I've used Flutter for like three years at two different jobs, and I never had to write, use a custom element. Um, but so you really only care about the widget tree. But the the widget tree is just like basically just metadata, I guess, if you, if you like want to put it that way. It's just like an instruction of configuration. So it's really cheap to you know blow that away and. And uh, you know, insert new widgets into the tree, especially if you're using best practices that like allow you to only rebuild certain widgets. Uh, it's the element tree underneath, which is uh, kind of like the the brain of it. That's also controlling the rendering. That that's more expensive, and it doesn't. It can be reused for different kinds of widgets. So it's really the. Um, I guess the the interesting thing for developers is that what we are writing is just configuration. Like the code that we are writing is just configuration. We're not actually telling the Flutter engine how to behave, uh, which is probably why it's so performant because, you know, they've spent a lot of time and brain power on uh, building that engine. Um, I'm trying to think like where to go with this. I don't know. Um, I mean, if the way how it works specifically, again, it's been a while, but, uh, you know, the widget, every time it rebuilds, you know, the, each element ha is, uh, is like associated with one widget. I mean, it's just literally pointing at it. And so Flutter is smart enough to know, okay, this button changed color. So we need to blow that away and uh, it's reconfigure it. And then it, once it gets that configuration from the widget, it turns around and tells the render the render tree what to redraw. I mean, basically, basically the el the elements are like the brain the brain of the situation, uh, which luckily we don't have to write ourselves, and they get really complicated when you do have to. So, you can also about it like a, almost like a MVC kind of style to a certain extent. I would think like like widgets are kind of like the view, but but abstract, right? Well, not not even yeah. right. They're like the model. And yeah. then the controller would be like the element, right? Which kind of checking yeah. and talking in between the two, and then finally, the the, the view would be the would be the, the render, render object. Render object. That's right. Man, it's been so long I couldn't remember that word, render object. But um, yeah, I've, I've never thought of it. That's never come to my mind. But now that I think that's actually a really good way to uh, explain it. That's pretty straightforward and uh, also accurate. 
So if you need a, a co-author for this next revision, you can you can reach out to me. I'll help you. Gladly, it's a lot of work. So <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I heard. It, it's funny because like yeah, I mean again, like my 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 question is like what what drives you? Like sure, they reached out to you and you're like yeah yeah sure, but was it like oh you know I can I can knock this thing out because I've been writing on Flutter by example for a while, so it shouldn't be too bad. Yeah, I mean, I knew it was going to be a lot of work, but I will say I underestimated how much work it was going to be, and also the timeline. Um, so internally, what drove me is that I just like writing and like create creative, you know, creative endeavors. And even though it's a technical book, it's still somewhat creative. Um, and I am kind of a workaholic, so I don't mind uh, spending a few hours every Saturday and Sunday at the coffee shop you know, writing. And then externally, what drove me is I like cannot give enough props to Manning. I've never worked with any other publishing company, so I don't have anything to compare it to, but like they have a, they help a lot. Um, you know, they give you timelines, which they're not hard on like, so, but anyways, you know, they're just like, not, they're like very motive. They're like gently pushing you the whole time. And also, giving you all the resources you need. Um, so I don't know, like they were great. Uh, I had, you know, you have like your own specific publisher who they have multiple projects, I guess. And I don't know if they're all, again, I don't know if they're all great, but mine specifically, she was awesome. Um, she was like very helpful, very motivating. Um, so yeah, I guess a mixture of, but truly, truly, I, I do see how people would start writing a book on their own to self-publish and never finish it because, you know, sometimes you're just like, man, I do not want to do this. But when you sign a contract, you have to, uh, you know, unfortunately. So that is definitely motivating, but more so, I don't know. I just like to write and I thought it'd be cool to have a book with my name on it pretty much. I'm kind of curious, so like you said, when you sign a contract, you kind of have to. Is there like a clause that if you don't finish it by a certain date or time that you have to pay some damages? No, there's, you don't have to pay any damages, but you um, have to, they give you a, um, I like, cannot think today. What They give you a money up front that has a specific word, but I can't think of it right now, but you have to give it back if you don't finish. So that would suck unless you're financially uh smart um but no you don't have to pay any damage or anything and in fact they i mean i don't know if i'm like really supposed to say this but i know that there was a book in the works of dart 2 in action that they put they like canceled halfway through you know so it's not it's never a guarantee just because you signed a contract that it's gonna see all the way through but um yeah but it's not like a really big risk if to sign the contract that nothing bad is going to happen. If you, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people that think they can do it and then they start and they're like, you know, I have no responsibility. So it's easy for me to find time. If I had kids or family or like a more demanding job, I don't know how I would have found time to do it. So they, so I think it's called advance, right? In advance. Yeah. Advance. I mean, I can't believe I couldn't think of that word, but uh, yes. You have to give your advance back if you don't finish, which makes sense because, I mean, for obvious reasons, but, uh, yes. Yeah, but, I mean, your advance, I mean, it can't be that much money because I think, no. I don't know what, 5K, I think, is like the 
max most people probably make on a book, right? So it couldn't be a lot. I mean, 5K was the advance. I made, I have made more than that, but I will say, do not write a book for financial reasons because it is not a good investment. Uh, the amount of time you go in, like the amount of hours I go in, you don't, it's not worth it. That's, that's not a good reason. I will there are other advantages. Um, I know that you didn't ask me this, but like my current job, uh, it's what well, just a, like, I love my job. It's probably my favorite job to date. Um, my boss, when he interviewed me, basically, I mean, he asked about the book, which means bef- he saw my resume and was like, Oh wow, that's cool. So that's an advantage. I'm on this podcast. So like there's other cool things that you get from it, but not money. Do you get anything back from Google? Do they reach out to you and say, can we feature your book or anything like that? Um, no, but there was a member of the Dart team, a technical product manager who was reviewing, who basically asked if he could review the book while I was in process. So to my finish a chapter, he would read it and to make sure nothing was wrong, basically. Um, so, but... I did have an interview for the Flutter team because of the book, but then COVID happened and they froze the job. So, you know, maybe one day, but, uh, I, I mean, I don't know that it was because of the book, but it was for the Flutter team. So I imagine uh, they reached out to me. So I'm uh, imagine that had something to do with it. Yeah, that would definitely make sense. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's pretty positive too. I mean, that's, I think worth a lot more than, you know, oh, yeah. than, 10 advances, I think, at this point. For sure. It's a pretty pretty big uh, opportunity. Yeah. But you did take this Discover job, right? Maybe we can kind of pivot for a moment because it's kind of interesting. Like, you're working at Discovery Channel. Uh, On the back end. But you're not doing Flutter, which is like, so the guy's like, okay, you wrote a book. That's cool. I really want to interview you. But it's like not even the same topic. That's what I just don't get. I mean, I get, okay, you write a book that there's some... There's some qualities, some skills with that, right? You know how to articulate yeah. yourself. You know how to take your time, etc. And you're dedicated, right? Um, yeah, I don't know why uh, this job was as often as I feel like happens often when I interview in this industry. I don't know why I ended up getting this job. Uh, I had no back end. Like, I mean, all my jobs have been a startup, so I have plenty of back end experience. But I've been hired as a the front end developer, every job I've ever had until this. This is a purely back end, like microservice, down, like streaming app, nitty gritty uh, back end job. And uh, they, a recruiter reached out to me and I was like, no, I don't have, I'm not going to waste my time with interview because I don't have experience with Go. And like, and he was like, oh, just do it. And then I, you know, somehow got the job. My boss, at the time, he said, just let you know, like, you will not be doing any front-end work, so you need to think about that before you uh, accept this job. You know, they were like, I-, I have no idea how I ended up getting this job, but um, it is a fun, cool job. I wanted it personally because I didn't have any back-end experience. You know, like, I got it to make myself more well-rounded, um, but I certainly w- didn't go looking for it. And it was during COVID, so I didn't expect to find a new job. What, like this was last year when it was still very shut down, you know, pre-vaccine. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, it's. I guess everything's related that you're sticking in within Google land, right? Going from Flutter to Go, if you're using yeah. Go, right? Yeah, 
and I like Go too, but it's definitely I definitely prefer Dart. But um, Go is an interesting, funny little language for sure. Yeah, I, I've been playing around with Rust a lot recently, and I'm pretty happy with it. I mean, the one thing I don't, there's a couple things I don't really like about Go, like uh, when you compare it to Rust, where like there's a lot more runtime safety within Rust. But what I do like about Go, and I wish Rust would do a better job of, which is like cross compilation. I feel like they have it much better. Mm-hmm. You could just say, okay, build me a Windows binary on like a Mac. And it's just, you could just do it. And not, yeah. Nothing to think about. Yeah. I, I don't have any Rust experience, but I would love, that's like the number one thing I would love to learn or, you know, use professionally. Um, because then I would really learn it uh, more, you know, when I have no choice but to do hard things with it. Uh, and also the Rust book, which is free online, or you, you can buy a physical copy, is my favorite programming book by far. It is, I mean, it's like the book that I read while I was writing it for ins- writing my book for inspiration because it is just so, um, I don't know, it's just not dry. They like talk to you like a real person. You know, it's not like you're reading a manual. It's like you're reading a book. I'll have to go back and read it again. I think I read it a long time ago, but it'd be interesting just to read, to finish up reading your book and then going back and reading that one and see if they are really that similar. But yeah, it's pretty, pretty decent. Yeah. The book. And it's, you didn't buy that. Did you buy a copy of that one you said? Yeah. Yeah. I think the only thing that's not nice about buying a copy is that it's going to be quickly outdated with the speed that it keeps yeah. getting updated. Yeah, I know. I specifically bought it when I started writing the book so that I didn't always have to be reading on the computer. Um, I didn't really buy it for the purpose of learning. I bought it for inspiration, I guess. Got it. Okay. Yeah, it's probably one of the most famous books for reading uh, Rust and and just for reading about learning anything, right? You mentioned it. I think I hear that a lot, but that's... People would say that's the best book to learn Rust, and I think if you hear about like Flutter, like what's the best book? I think you're going to hear many different answers. Uh-huh. Um, so it's that's quite yeah. interesting. Um, okay, uh, maybe let's kind of get back more about like yourself, right? So I think you said that you, what like you graduated with with what what's your background exactly in school? Uh, philosophy and Spanish were my majors, so. Not, I don't have a computer science degree. So what happened? <laughs> uh, well, I, well, I guess like many people my age, I enjoyed, um, you know, like light programming as a child growing up. Um, so that's like kind of the background. I, I had some background in it, um, although I would not say I was employable by any means. Um, and then when I got a few, I don't know, like a year after college, also like many people my age, I was like, what am I going to do? And also my degree means has given me nothing. Like I can't get it. They're not going to pay me to sit under a tree and think, which is what philosophers do. So, um, yeah, so I just started taking it. I just, thought more about programming and started taking it more seriously. And, um, you know, there's a billion resources and, uh, I just, I mean, I'm the first 
like right when I started like taking it seriously, I literally this on Facebook, I found other people that were trying to learn and I met up at coffee shops and we like taught each other. Like that's how I basically started. And then, you know, I guess it, I mean, it took a year and I already had, I was, I already had a lot of knowledge and, um, I know there's a lot of people that want to break into it. That's like a very common, um, and to them, I would say it is certainly possible. Uh, it's, but it's a lot of work, but it is 100% possible for anybody to teach yourself how to do it. Do you wish you would have went back in time and actually took a CS degree or something similar? Or do you feel that they took the right um, path already? More so than that, I wish I had a job that would pay for me to get a CS degree now um, or like a master's or something because I love, I mean, I would love to go back to school. But um, I wish I took classes, but I really do love philosophy. Like my philosophy classes were my favorite classes. And also, um, you know, I didn't really learn Spanish, even though it's my major, but I, I also love traveling and I studied abroad and stuff. I don't know that I would have had the confidence to do that if I didn't think that I was like at least okay in Spanish. So I did get a lot out of it. So I, I don't necessarily wish I changed it, but I wish I took some CS classes because, um, or if not like minor in it or something, or maybe major in it and minor in philosophy. I don't know. I wish I was more aware of it. Like it didn't even cross my mind in school because all I wanted to do was like, I don't know, listen to music and like take philosophy classes. I was like much more into like cultural stuff than, um, at, at that age. And yeah, I feel like that's definitely a, as time goes on, the gap gets smaller and smaller, but there is like a knowledge gap that anyone's going to have that doesn't take CS classes because like, I know how to, I don't know, know much about like low level, like systems programming and stuff like that. Like even conceptually, I don't really know. Um, so probably would have helped me a lot if I did that, but alas. I am kind of curious, like, do you think, or maybe let's say like this, if you were to like take a hundred percent, right? Take a whole, uh, the whole amount of something and let's balance it between being a good communicator slash writer and being technically apt. Like, which one do you think is like, what do you think the percentages of each one for writing a good kind of book for technology, right? Because you may know everything, but you can't explain it. Or you may be able to explain something, but you don't know everything. There has to be a nice, smooth uh, percentage, right? Yeah, I suppose. I suppose that has to do with what you're writing, but uh, um, for me personally, not only in writing a book, but also in being good software engineer in a large company, I think communication is more important. Um, unless maybe you're like writing the first book on developing self-driving cars, you know, maybe then yes, you need to be extremely technical or you're working for the self-driving car AI place like unit and Google the, like, yeah, you need to be extremely technical outside of that. I think communication is very important. Um, and especially, if, I mean, I don't think I'm a good writer. I don't like take, I didn't like take English classes or anything. Um, but I do think I'm a good communicator and I think about 
the best way to make something stick, you know, I guess. Like in the way I try to explain things in the book. And I think that is really important. Uh, more important than people would give it credit for. So to answer your question, I'd say 60% uh, communication, 40% technical, because you have to know something, right? Like you can't write a book that's wrong. Yeah, I was just about to say, it sounds like 60-40, I think. Slightly more communication, but you still can't lose out on the tech. Yeah. I mean, to, to be honest, 50% of what's in the book, I didn't know until I was writing the book. You know, I knew like what I wanted to talk about. I knew the chapters. And then I was like, okay, before I write this, for example, the chapter on how Flutter works under the hood, I need to actually go make sure that I know that, uh, not think I know it. Like I, I was... And still I am terrified that there's, you know, about putting my name on a book that is wrong. Um, but I guess the point is communication is harder to, it's harder to learn to be a good communicator than it is to uh, learn how Flutter works. Well, let's say that you weren't really wrong, but like, is there anything that you want to mention now about the book because I, I remember when we connected over email you were like hey i don't really recommend this book for people to read because it's quite outdated like is there some things that you think really are like no these things are solid you should really know this from the book or are or in the other cases some of these things it's like okay this is just way too outdated like, just please stay away from that yeah, uh, I've been thinking about that more and yes i mean i don't know what other books are out there again i feel that i'm like a little a step or two outside of the community since I'm not using it every day. Um, so if there are newer books, I'm sure I would recommend them more. The part that I think is outdated or the part that makes me nervous about recommending it is not the flutter stuff so much as it is the dart stuff like non-nullable by default. That's a pretty big change. Um, you know, and so all the code is not that, and it's been out long enough. Like that feature has been out long enough that no one is really going to be writing code, especially if they're new enough that they're wanting to read a book. No one's really going to be writing code in Dart one anymore. So that's, that's the part that I'm more worried about. The flutter stuff I think is pretty solid. Like more or less it works the same uh, as far as I know. Um, and also if I was to rewrite it now, I would spend a lot more time on, um, because it's so cross-platform now, I would spend a lot more time on like deploying and, uh, the technical difficulties of making the differences between like what you have to do to build a web app and a mobile app and a desktop app. None of that existed when I started writing it and the web wasn't, I don't think released you know like a stable when i finished it so that's a, a big difference actually i found it quite surprising that you were talking about desktop already in the book i was like well this guy really knew the future because i was well i, under I knew, no I knew it was coming. desktop i had no idea it was coming actually yeah so i at my as i think i said at my first job we had a direct line to the flutter team because in the very early days they wanted to know how it was working for us and so i did from a very early time 
like way earlier than when they announced it, no. I don't know that I believed we were going to get here this well because, I mean, it's truly pretty astounding how well it works for a cross-platform uh, like SDK, but I did know that the goal was to truly write once and deploy everywhere. Yeah, but now it's even more than just desktop, right? You also have, was it WWP or something like that? Like, basically, you can run it on uh, Xbox or something, right? Uh, I don't know if that... It, I mean, I believe... I'm going to say yes, but last I used it, that wasn't... I just, in the like, last couple weeks, started a new thing at work that's, that is going to hopefully use Flutter. I still have to convince people. But um, so anything that, like, big things that come out like that in the last year, I, I'm not completely positive about. All right. Actually, I want to kind of go back more to, um, so the thing I like a lot about Flutter is that it's pretty easy for a lot of people to pick up. And I want to kind of talk more about, like, you didn't have a CS background. You were kind of hanging out in coffee shops and learning, like, and then, like, what was, like, the big break? Like, what happened that you just applied and then, like, people said, okay, let's give this guy a shout, although he has no prior background? Uh, yeah, it was um, my first job where I had to use Flutter. Um, they, I mean, it's a very small startup. Um, it is... I don't know, 10 people in the company, like nine of them are technical, you know, like either engineers or QA. Um, and then one person is the CEO, like that's the whole company. Um, and I, you know, basically they gave me a chance because I wrote them a really good email. Um, like they're such a small company that they don't have, you can't go online and apply on their website. It just says like interested in working with us, send us an email at blah, 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 send us your resume. And I sent a really long email, not really long. Like I, I don't, I wouldn't bore him to death or anything, but, um, a very, I guess, good email that they liked. And that included like screenshots of personal projects and like code snippets and like, you know, basically everything I needed to convince them that I could hang. And frankly, not, I mean, I'm not trying to say this to disparage them, but they're a very small startup that does not take funding. So they were probably happy to have somebody they could pay less than a seasoned engineer. Um, so, but I mean, I, I'm very grateful for them. And also one of the people I worked with, uh, he, who's the one that like kind of introduced Dart to the company before I even started there. He's now on the either Dart team or Flutter team. Um, so, I mean, my whole world basically is what it is because they gave me a chance. So that's great. Very thankful for them. What, what kind of languages and, and frameworks and stuff did you learn before you had this job? Because it, it sounds like you already had JavaScript underneath your belt, right? Yeah. And then, uh, the, I mean, like the, I had some personal projects that are luckily no longer around, but, um, for backends, I used, uh, Django and rails, I guess for pretty much the only things, um, and for front ends, I basically 
Well, I also, I, I use React and then I like never, I came, I started like taking, like, I guess knowing enough to build full, like a full deployed web application. React was already a thing. So like I've never really used vanilla JavaScript, which I know in the front end world, a lot of people debate whether or not you should do that first. Um, I did use Vue quite a bit just because I wanted to put it on my resume, basically. Um, never used it in professionally. But um, yeah, basically just React front-ends and Ruby on Rails back-ends, Django. Um, but, and then, I mean, I've never really used any of that stuff again, so I'm like not very proficient in Ruby or Python or anything, but um, I can I can hang, but not... Not well. I've pretty much been Dart and JavaScript, and now Go. I guess since day like since day one. Weirdly, I've used Dart more than any other language. Just not. I don't feel pretty that common for people. Yeah, Dart is such a an odd language. Like just using outside of Flutter is still quite unheard of. I think one of the few projects that's really quite popular is probably SAS. It's one uh -huh. of the few projects I think yeah. that's most popular written in just pure dart yeah i can't think of anything else off the top of my head i hope that changes personally i mean i i maybe it's just because it's easy to pick up but i i really find dart to be just the most pleasurable language like has all the features you want without without being like java which is like just too much um i don't know i i find it by far my favorite language i know i'm biased but I love Dart and I hope it becomes like a standard for services or whatever, but I don't think it will because I mean, you have Go and Rust and all these languages that are like targeting people that are writing services. Like that's what it's made for. So why would they choose Dart? But um, I thoroughly enjoy it. Something I'm kind of interested in is like the thing that I would love to hear more about is like, I, I, I mean, we, we had uh, um, one of the creators, Lars, I believe, was on here. I forgot which one it was. Uh -huh. Two guys, right? Uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Casper Lund was on here. It's Lars Bachman was the other guy, the older guy. Casper uh, uh -huh. Lund was on here. Um, I don't know why I didn't ask him this question, but like for me, I'm, I would love to know kind of like, I know that the history was that they wanted to basically have a better way of kind of putting JavaScript-like stuff on Chrome. Didn't quite uh -huh. work out like that, but like, I'm still like amazed that how can a language where it, it started off being like a JavaScript replacement, then became something that could be running native stuff or compiling to JavaScript, or like you can have it as a VM with hot reload functionality or AOT. Like, I yeah. have never met a language which is so versatile in my life. Yeah, I don't think there's anything uh, else that's close to it that I can think of. Yeah, I mean that's. Uh another reason that I'm very big fan of it, but, um, you know, obviously I, I can't speak for Google or anybody that has worked on those teams, but what I, from what I understand, you know, it, it did not pan out as a JavaScript replacement, uh, unfortunately. And I think that it really just was kind of, you know, just 
kind of just like being worked on, but not in a major way and like not with really much expectations um, for years. And I, I really think Flutter changed that. Um, I know that like the AOT compiler was added before Flutter, before it was Flutter, but like that wasn't always there. Um, so I think a lot of the making it versatile was because uh, the Flutter early Flutter team, like Eric Snyder, is that his name? I can't remember. But, um, you know, they, they decided... Sidell. He, yeah, Sidell, Sidell, that's right. Um, I've heard him say that on a podcast or whatever, that they decided to use Dart very early on. Um, you know, they looked at a ton of languages, so they didn't choose Dart because it was Google. They chose Dart because they thought it was the best language. Um, and I'm sure being internal to Google has gives it a lot of bonus points because they can work closely with the team. Um, but I, yeah, I think Flutter has a big part of it. And also I know that Dart is pushed pretty hard and eternally for like web apps and stuff. Um, I don't know if that's changed because of Flutter or that was already the case because like Angular Dart has been around forever. And I know that like AdWords is built in Angular Dart. So I don't know, if, but I do know internally Google, they have teams or at least employees devoted to convincing people to switch to Dart so that it's like all unified. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's kind of weird that like they have like, I would say there's basically three main, three or four main languages, right? It's like Go, Dart, Java, and Python. And of course, C, C++, right? Those are like mm -hmm. the big languages of Google. Uh, yeah. Like, I'm kind of curious like why people would actually want to switch over to Dart, like, because all those languages think are pretty, I mean, they do their own thing, right? Um, I think it's web apps is what they're, mm. they're hope, they want people to switch from JavaScript, basically, to Dart. I, I think if you want to switch from Dart to JavaScript, I think there's something wrong with you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've I've been nice thus far in this podcast about my feelings about JavaScript, but I, I just, like, can't stand it. Um, it's fine. I'll, you know, it is what it is. There's no way you can get away. You can't get away with not using it, but it is just so hard to use. Um, but going back to Eric Seidel, right? Uh, I think he was actually already on the Chrome team somewhere. I don't remember which part. Mm -hmm. And so, and obviously, uh, V8 is a, also a part of Chrome in some way. And then uh, I think they were not even compiling to native code yet, right? They were compiling to web first, and then they went to Mm -hmm. uh, mobile, which is quite an interesting journey. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to hear that story. Yeah, I mean, they, exciting. as far as, again, I, I can't speak for anyone, but from what I've heard, what the story I know is that they weren't even, when they started making Flutter, they were not trying to build a cross-platform SDK. That was never, the, that was not the original goal. They were trying to strip as much out of the Chrome engine as possible to like just make an incredibly powerful rendering engine. Um, so they're getting down to bare bones and I guess using Dart for some part of that. I don't really know where the Dart would come into that. Um, well, I guess a lot of Flutter, a lot of Flutters are in C++, at least like the, the very low level. So I guess that's what they were working with. Um, and um, yeah, so that the original goal was just to build an incredibly powerful rendering engine, which I guess 
worked to some degree and then they pivoted to you know like it, i mean it sounds to me almost like it was an internal experiment because they're google they have that much money and they're just like yeah let's just play let's just do this thing and we'll see if, if anything good comes from it and then they decided that a good use of it would be to compile down to you know native code which is pretty interesting yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of funny, like, everybody knows what is Google Chrome and actually is kind of getting a little bit flack here and there, especially recently, right? People, I think, are probably dropped, I think they're going now where they're going back to Mozilla, I think they hear sometimes, or Brave or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, without Chrome, you wouldn't have Node.js, right? Because that's where V8 came from. You wouldn't have Dart and Flutter. Like, yeah. It's crazy that, like, one web browser that people kind of take for granted is actually the start of quite some interesting ecosystems. Yes, it is. And it's even more interesting that, I mean, the web, you know, you could trace that story back further outside of Google and what I can't remember the guy's name, but whatever guy's name is that invented JavaScript famously in 10 days or whatever, probably had no idea that the groundwork that he would, you know, the path he was starting the world on by creating like this ugly language that he only had a few days to make. So it had to, you know, he had to cut corners and those corners are still with us today. Those are those corners, the lack of corners. Sharp corners. I would say cut yourself on all the time. There's always the famous wet man. If you ever seen that before. The what? Have you ever seen wet man? I don't think so. I'll have to share it with you at the end of the show. Maybe remind me if I don't, but, uh, there's a guy named Gary Bernhardt. He um, has a presentation, and you ever seen like if you do like array plus array, and you get like some interesting response. Yeah, yeah all those things. He he's got a lot of this stuff, and it's uh, it's quite amusing just to watch. I'm gonna have to drop. I think I have seen that actually. Yeah, it's yeah, that is man. pretty wild. <laughs> I guess if you break it all down, it actually makes sense. But still, uh, yeah. yeah, that. At least JavaScript, at least Dart kind of makes a lot more things more sane. I'm yeah. pretty happy with that. Yeah. The, the originally, when Dart was originally made, another point they made that I think is very valid um, is that JavaScript, because it's run by, you know, a committee or whatever, you know, it's, it's not run by, like, Google owns Dart, so they can do whatever they want. No one can say vote against them changing something. JavaScript, it just, everything moves so slowly because, you know, you have to get buy-in from several different agencies. And so, or whoever, several different agents of, of some sort. I don't, I don't really know who makes those decisions, but um, I, that's, I mean, I, I think one of the biggest advantages Flutter has over, you know, React Native and stuff is that 100% of it is owned by Google so they can do whatever they want without anybody telling them, you know, fighting back unlike, you know, browser standards and everything. That's what I think was part of the problem, right? Why the people kicked back on, uh, on Dart being within the browser. They yeah. didn't want this kind of one person controlling everything, but yeah, I mean, I see your side too, right? Like I think the other thing too, you got to keep in mind too, is that if you made some drastic changes to JavaScript, then what would happen to all the old JavaScript, all those old pages? <laughs> to right? the whole that's internet. The, that's yeah, why it takes I, so long to. to I do like change. that. Um, that the brow- I I also would not want 
the internet to be owned by Google. That would be too much power. Um, but an SDK, I'm okay with it. You know? Yeah, true. Okay. I think we're kind of approaching end of our time. Like, it's, it's pretty interesting, like, your background. Like, I, the reason I like to ask about people's background is it's always interesting to see, like, okay, where'd you come from? Mm-hmm. I think we're about half-half or something with people having, like, no CS background, people having CS background. And that's interesting to hear that you really don't have to have it. Uh, but it's also good to hear that not everybody says, I wish I can go back to school. So that's interesting to hear, too. Uh, sometimes I also wish I can go back to school for my master's, but yeah, I got to find time yeah. <laughs> yeah. and way to pay for it. Okay. Um, like, okay. So after working with Flutter for a while, like, um, what, you know, do you have any like tips you want to give or like warnings you want to give to beginners? Like when they start their Flutter journey nowadays? Oof. Um, yeah, I've, I'm, I don't want to give too specific or too broad of a tip, but my, I would just do one of each. My specific tip is you will save yourself so much trouble if you just actually learn how the, um, I can't think of what the error is, but you know how, um, like columns will expand forever and that Unbound rendering height. bug. Unbound yes. The, yeah. If you just really learn how that works, you'll save yourself so much time. Like, uh, that's not how I do things. Unfortunately, I just dive in and figure it out as I go. But once I actually learned how to fix that problem, oof, it's like really saved my, saved me. Uh, and then conversely, my broad tip is, uh, just build stuff because you can literally build anything with Flutter. And that's like the coolest, one of the coolest things about it. Um, and you know, I truly think that it's going to be a big part of the future of applications, no matter where they run. Um, so you want to build a web app, build it, just go, don't, don't wait for, I guess this applies to all programming really, but the best way to learn is to just like build cool stuff and hit your head against the wall a lot. So that, that applies to Flutter as well. Uh, how about like state management solutions? Like what do you usually use for state management when you build your Flutter apps? Uh, I, controversial opinion. I like block, uh, better than the alternatives that I know are more popular because similar to, you know, like Redux, which I've never used in a Flutter app, but used on the web a lot. It's the verbosity of it makes it really easy to read. You know, like if a new member comes in the team and they want to, and they're trying to understand how things work, it's like, these are the, like, you literally have a list, a human readable list almost. I mean, they're very, you know, it's code, but a human readable list of all the possible like actions you can take or whatever they're called in block. Um, so, and I think that library, yeah, events. Uh, so that's what I use personally. I think it's easy to understand. Um, I guess another tip that that reminded me of, if you're coming to flutter, you likely will have to very soon use streams and I don't know, you know, they're not super popular in most other languages. So that's something you should definitely pay attention to. Um, it's almost impossible to find a state management solution that isn't based on streams uh, of some sort, or like conceptually at least. Uh, so I like Block, but I, I've never used Riverpod, which I know is like at least a year ago was the next big thing that was coming. 
Um, and what's provider? I, I like provider is great. I think it's cool. Um, never used it on a big, like a at work. So I'm like on a gigantic project, but I, uh, I'm sticking with block. Have you ever used a Flutter block package? Oh yeah. I love it. Um, then you, you were using provider underneath there actually. That's why it's called block yeah. provider. <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't always written on top of provider. Yeah, true. Uh, they changed it at some point. Um, uh, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I think they did a, a very good job at, with, uh, that and, you know, for a, for a while, that was, that was like the cool thing. Even Google recommended it for a while. Yeah, indeed. I also use Block. I, I use Riverpod in one project. I kind of like it, but at the same time, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why I went, but I just found it easier to, to reason with is when I went, went for Block. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I think it just makes much more sense for streams when I'm streaming mm-hmm. stuff for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, actually, I think I have one last question for you, and I think it's interesting to hear from every single, like, uh, writer for books or whatever. Like, what was your writing process for when you wrote this book? Ooh, um, basically, my, my daily writing process was go to a coffee shop or a co-working space. And I mean, I have to be in a sterile environment to do something like writing because I, I can't be around distractions. I mean, I'm kind of like that with my work as well. Um, yeah, so I mean, for a year there, that's probably how long it took to write the book. Um, then there was more work after, but for a year there, I was going to a coffee shop every Saturday and Sunday, pretty much from when I woke up to mid afternoon and just sitting down and writing and editing and writing the code that goes along with the book and all that stuff. I mean, I guess writing a technical book, there's a lot more writing than just writing the, the text, but, um, yeah. That's pretty much, I don't know that I have like an interesting answer to that. Just go somewhere where there's no distractions and sit down and don't stand up for five hours. Yeah. I, I hear basically two different patterns. Like one is like wait for inspiration and then just all night cramming out the book I heard from one guy. But the typical one is like just sit, my, just force yourself every day or yeah. three times a week to sit there for hours and just keep pounding on the keyboard. Yeah. I mean, that's really it. Um, for me personally, that's how I am with all work. Like I can't, I, I have to carve out time to do anything or it won't get done. Okay. Uh, I think that's it for us. Um, uh, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we kind of sign off? I don't think so. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's I great to have you back to on. Listen to people. I love when people will listen to me ramble. Yeah, we actually heard compliments that people like when we ram- when we banter back and forth about stuff. So cool. it's uh, it's nice to listen to when you're at the gym because you can't focus on hearing about uh, widget trees and element trees yeah, while you're yeah, trying yeah. to lift weights, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean that stuff's hard to learn from audio alone for sure. Anything technical for me personally. Yeah, definitely. All right, thanks again for for your time. I uh, really appreciate it. Hope you have a good day. Yeah, and I'll catch you next time. All right. Thanks.